You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing this morning? Did I bring my clicker? I did. I brought my clicker. Thought I forgot my clicker. Good to see you all this morning. How are you doing well? Would you give us a wave if you're alive? Amen. That's good. If anybody's dead out there, you don't have to wave. You're free. You're off the hook. When I was a... Uh, you might start that clock for me, Mike, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. Um, sorry, just remind me not to talk for too long because I know that you fall asleep in the middle. We're not here for a doze. Anyway, when I was a child, one of my earliest memories was playing a game with my mother and seeing my mother playing a little game with the other kids in our family, especially my twin brothers, Barry and Joseph, my uh, younger brothers who were younger by 10 years and uh, she used to play a game. She would sit in a chair, and she'd put the baby on her lap, and she'd lean the baby back down, and she'd say, under the sea, dead or alive? And the child would normally say, alive! And you'd pull the child back up, and there was, ah, ha, 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 great glee, and all this. Kind of... Has anybody ever heard of this game before? Good. That's okay. It was a very local thing to our family. We didn't have much money, so we had to do things like this to entertain ourselves. Um, so she would do it again, under the sea, dead or alive, and the child would say, alive, and you pull the child back up, <laughs> and then under the sea, dead or alive, you can see it just repeats and goes on and on. So when I had children, I thought, you know, I think I would like to play my mother's game with my children. So I remember having, having one of my sons in particular, uh, who was a bit cleverer than the other ones, and that's my youngest son. My youngest son, Rory, he's, that's just a little bit sharper than the other guys. He's kind of the first to everything, and he, he's got his life planned out, you know? So I can't, when, when he's here in the late service, no one will be able to say his name. But in a, so I was playing this game with my kids. I played it with my oldest son, Robin. I played with my son, Fionn. And then I played it with my son, Rory, who's just a little step ahead of me and a bit of a step ahead of most people I know. So we were doing, under the sea, dead or alive, alive, and up he'd come. And he'd go, under the sea, dead or alive, alive. And you put him back up. And then I put him on and I said, under a seat, they're alive. And he said, dead. <laughs> and the problem was, the game kind of stopped. Like, what do we do now? You're dead. You just got to stay under the seat, dead. And you just, and I just remember pulling, and then he said, alive. <laughs> and I had to pull him up alive. And he kind of said, gotcha, dad. And he really did get me because it just wasn't expected. There's something about being you know, dead, that has an effect of stopping everything on you, doesn't it? You know, I want to ask you this morning, do you feel dead or alive this morning? Amen, 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 amen. You know, for so many of the people that you meet, the answer to that, they may say, I'm alive, but they're not alive. They're dead. Our message this morning is called Dead or Alive. And when I was planning uh, the message during the week, when I was preparing a message during the week, I really felt compelled by the Lord to actually go and look at this particular passage. Now, I know I spoke about resurrection on Easter Sunday morning, as you probably should, because it's a resurrection kind of a day. But I really felt compelled to continue on, not continue the subject, but to look again at this subject. And as I was preparing on Wednesday, I really felt God speak to me that in a verse from John's Gospel, chapter 5. I don't remember it being from John's Gospel, chapter 5. I'm not that good. But where it says that Jesus said, the day is coming, the time is coming, when those who are dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and they will live. And, and I, as, I was, as I was literally lying there, because I was lying there, I was praying and I was lying there. I was lying on my back, by the way, just for the record. I wasn't lying on my face, but I was lying. I was actually, okay, I was asleep, all right? There we go. So 
I was taking a nap in, at lunchtime on Wednesday. And I really felt God put this message on my heart and I began to look it up. And what I didn't realize is when I began to look at John's Gospel, chapter 5, it actually picks up just after the story that Tom preached about last Sunday morning, about the man who was at the pool of Siloam and how um, Jesus had said to him, pick up your mat and walk. You remember the message Tom preached last week? You do, yeah. yeah do you remember that? Good. Uh, and, what, and this story literally picks up immediately after that. And what I want to look at is Jesus' response to those who challenged him. Because what happened was he raised this man up from sickness. He got him up. He said to the man, get up, take up your mat and walk. But the day on which he said it was a Sabbath day, which was the old seventh day of the week. The Christians celebrate on the first day. The seventh day was to be the day of the, the Jewish Sabbath. Anyway, he raised this man. And then when he did that, it says that the Jewish leaders got really upset with him because he was breaking the rules yet again, and this time about the Sabbath. And they began to challenge him, saying, who do you think you are telling this man to pick up this mat and walk? And Jesus began to respond to them about the authority that the Father had given him. And he said this, because they were saying, look, we have the words of life. And Jesus said this. He said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but have already passed from death into life. They've already passed. If you're here this morning, and regardless of the state of your life or your situation or your psychology, if you believe in the message of Jesus Christ, the message and the God who sent him, you have eternal life. You've already gone from death to life. You will never be condemned for your sins. Would anyone say amen? amen? See, that's the good news that we believe in. That is the message that we believe in. And if we don't hold on to that, then we don't have life in us. We are already in the realm of death if we don't believe what Jesus has said. We're already, we still live in the land of the dead if we don't believe what Jesus has said to us. Let me continue on. He goes on to say this, and I assure you, and this was the verse that came to mind, that the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. Those who listen will live. Now, when I was reading this passage of Scripture and I was thinking about it, you know, Jesus is obviously not talking about, in this particular instance, physically dead people. Because physically dead people generally don't hear anything. If you want someone to keep a secret, tell it to a dead fella. He's not going to tell anyone about it. They don't generally listen and hear what you have to say to them. You can say to them all day and all night, you, you know, you better, you can do this or you can do that. He's not listening. You're wasting your time. It's like talking to a teenager. You can talk all night, but they're just not listening. You see... When Jesus is talking here, he's talking about people who are walking and talking and breathing and living like you and me, but they're dead. And I don't want to be breaking you or bringing you bad news, but the truth of it is that a lot of the people that you meet are actually dead. You see, the Bible talks about three types of life. It talks about physical life, it talks about spiritual life, and it talks about eternal life. So physical life, if anybody knows what that, in case you don't know what that is, is the connection of body and soul together. You are physically alive when you have body and soul together. So for instance, when somebody is referred to as clinically dead, it's considered that their soul is no longer with their body. They're just operating like a mechanism, like a machine. 
Then you have spiritual life. That is when the soul is connected with God. So the body and the soul are connected for physical life. The soul is connected with God for spiritual life. And then for eternal life, both body and soul are connected to God. And that is in the norm will happen for the rest of us in another place, in a place of bliss called heaven. That's where that eternal life, we have eternal life now, we've passed from death to life, but we only have it in part. And then there is spiritual death. There's different deaths. There's physical death when the soul separates from the body. There is spiritual death when the soul is separated from God. That is somebody who maybe you're walking, talking, you know, got me a crying, talking, sleeping, walking, living doll. She might be a living doll, but for her soul is separated from God, then she is spiritually dead. And then there is eternal death. And that is the separation of both body and soul from God forever. That is eternal death. It's referred to in the book of Revelation as the second death. And the reason I'm putting that in there is because I want you to understand when we look at these passages of scripture here in one second, that when we're talking about being alive or dead, sometimes we're talking about physical people who are spiritually dead and sometimes about physical people who are physically dead. Does that make sense? It's an important distinction. Does anybody know who this is? Who is it? What Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein. Do you recognize him? How many people here recognize that face? And it looks like my last boyfriend. (laughs) This was the depiction of Frankenstein's monster from the book by Mary Shelley called Dr. Frankenstein. And Dr. Frankenstein had an... In actual fact, it does look a couple like a couple of my sons, to be honest with you. Um, Dr. Frankenstein had this idea. He wanted to be able to create life. And so he went out and he dug up all these bodies. And he got little bits and pieces of them, different parts of them, and he put them together. And he assembled this one body that became known as the monster. And then one night, it actually struck me, last night there was lightning and rain last night. It struck me in the middle of the night. And, and in the story, one night he's raising, you know, he's raising the monster up on this thing like a a bed and he raises him up to the roof and then a lightning bolt comes down strikes him hits him in the bolt sticking out of his neck here and he comes to life and he sits up but what dr frankenstein didn't account for was that you can bring the body back to life but the body needs to have a soul because without a soul a living body is just a monster it's just the living dead the kind of zombie type monster that's what it is If you see one of those coming out of a nightclub in Cork, don't be surprised. You see, what Jesus was talking about was the living dead. And I just want to say this to you. You work with the living dead every day. You may even live with the living dead. You travel on the bus with the living dead. You commute with the living dead. You bump into the living dead by accident as you walk down the street. And you see, the thing about it is, is that if you look at it from a kind of a Hollywood movie perspective, the living dead should be kind of like, you know, walking around in this kind of zombie kind of, sorry, I just love making that noise. Can I do it one more time? Anybody here seen World War Z? Oh, it's a great show. It's like me just after the alarm goes off in the morning, sit up straight in bed. But you are dealing with the living dead every day. They're physically alive, but they are spiritually dead. Before you knew Jesus Christ, you were physically alive, but you were spiritually dead. And what happens when dead and death and life meet? You see, Jesus wanted to say that he was showing that he had the authority of the Father with him. 
He had the authority of the Father with him. And he was saying that I have the power of life and death. And they were going, who do you think you are? That's a whole different message. He refers to himself as the son of man. And I had it in the message and I took it out because I don't want to be going on all day and all night. But sometimes when we look at our lives, we can see areas of our lives that are dead. Parts of our lives that we wish had life in them are actually dead. It doesn't mean we're spiritually dead, but parts of our lives can be physically dead. When my wife and I wanted to have children, we were told we weren't able to have children. That part of our life, if you will, was dead. The doctor who said we wouldn't have children hadn't accounted for the intervention of God in our lives. Hallelujah. But that area of our lives was dead. Sometimes you can be longing to meet the relationship of your life. You might want to meet the man or the woman that will, that will be the man or woman of your dreams. But it's not happening and that area of your life is dead. Sometimes you're longing for, to get an economic breakthrough and get the job of your dreams or the career break that you've been longing for or waiting for, but it's not happening, and that area of your life is dead. Sometimes, however, sometimes we hear something that changes everything. Jesus said, the time is coming when those who hear his voice, hear his voice will come to life. And I've got to say this to you, the final arbitrator for what will be dead and alive in your life is Jesus Christ. If Jesus says this person is going to be happily married and is going to have children and is going to have the job of their dreams or whatever, then that is what's going to happen. If when he speaks his words, he brings life. And when you're talking to the spiritually dead, you're talking to the living dead every day, they also need to hear the words of Jesus to bring them to life. How are they going to possibly hear the words of Jesus? Anybody got any ideas? Yes. Us, we're the ones who bring the words of Jesus into those situations. We're the ones who speak up and bring that life into situations. When we, we're the ones who show you that we might be and, and a bit intimidated and a bit afraid that we might be are the ones who are called to bring the words of Jesus. You know, Paul said, how can people believe unless they hear? Now, if you want to, you can call to your neighbor's house and be a really good Christian neighbor. Please don't get me wrong. It's really good to be a Christian neighbor. I try to be one myself if I can. You can wash their windows until kingdom come. You can cut their lawn until kingdom come. You can walk their dog, even if you feel like shooting their dog. You can walk their dog like a good Christian until kingdom come. But if you don't tell them the good news of Jesus Christ, it won't do any good. They'll just say, there goes Michael O'Donovan. He's a nice fella. I hope that's what you say. Anyway, they might say, There's, there goes Tom Burke. He washes my windows all the time. What a lovely fella he is. I remember a woman one time telling us the story. Uh, she was telling the story about how she decided to adopt and befriend a woman who would, had needs in her life and she had financial needs and economic needs and this person decided to adopt her as it were and help her out and she supported her, bought her shopping, looked after the home, paid for home improvements, did the whole lot, really blessed her. And then one day, the person was asked, why haven't you become a Christian? And the person answered, I don't need to have Christ. Sure, I've got Sister Mary. They didn't need Jesus because all the good stuff was being done for them. Sometimes we can be over-helpful. Sometimes we can be too nice for the gospel. Do you know that? Because when you start talking about Jesus' words, some people are going to be annoyed with you. They're not going to like it. But you just have to, well... Man up and suck it up. You know, if you're, if you're a woman, you have to woman up, I guess. But if you're a man, you can man up and just take it and get on with it. Jesus wanted to demonstrate that he was the one who had the life. 
He was the one who was bringing life. And I just want to use three brief verses showing stories of Jesus raising the dead and draw a couple of lessons for them very, very quickly. Jesus tells this fantastic, there's this fantastic story in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is entering a village of a town called Nain. And in the village of Nain, there's a woman whose only son has died. And it says that as Jesus was going into the town, out of the town was coming this funeral. And though it was traditional in Jewish culture, that when you saw a funeral coming, you dropped what you were doing and you joined the funeral and you went with the funeral procession to the grave or to the tomb. That's what you did. If you didn't do that, you were committing a serious cultural faux pas. You were making a big mistake culturally. And so we have this fantastic situation where this funeral is coming this way and Jesus is going this way and you have the standoff of life and death. Something's got to give way. When Jesus meets death, he brings life. It says this, that Jesus saw the woman weeping for her son and he was moved with compassion for her. And then the story picks up and says this, then he walked over to the coffin being carried high and he touched it and the bearer stopped Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. He sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Here's your son. You're sorted. Let's look at another story. There's a story of Jairus. You know the story. Tom preached about it a couple of weeks ago. Jairus, the synagogue ruler, comes to Jesus. And he says, Lord, my only daughter, my daughter is dying. Will you come and see her? And on the way to the house, word gets to Jairus and says, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Can I just say it to you? I've said it before. I'll say it again. Always bother the teacher. Always bother, bother Jesus with your concerns. Always bother him. It says that Jesus went to the house, brought in Peter, James, and John with him, and went into the room, and this is recorded. It says, then Jesus took the girl by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and immediately she stood up. And then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Imagine how brokenhearted you would be. It's your daughter. She's just died. Word has reached her. She's gone. She's passed from, the, from life to death. And Jesus says, no. She has not passed from life to death. She is still to live and he raises her up. He's showing his authority and his power over death. One last example and then I'm going to draw a couple of points off it. Jesus goes, we know the story in John's gospel chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. Jesus, he was a friend of Jesus. Jesus, your buddy Lazarus is sick. Are you going to go and see him? And Jesus said, nah, I'm going to see him another time. But then, he go, but then it says that Jesus went and by the time he got there, Lazarus was already in the tomb. He was dead for four days at that stage, according to the Gospel of John. He was four days he was dead. Now, in a hot culture, a dead body, four days, hello, it's going to start to smell. It's not going to be pleasant. And Jesus tells them to roll away the stone from the front of the tomb. And then it says that Jesus shouted, Lazarus! Lazarus! Come out! And the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes. He comes out of the tomb. His face is wrapped in a headcloth. He doesn't even know where he's walking. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. He calls him out four days after he's dead and says, come out of the tomb. Now, it doesn't matter how long it is. In the case of Jairus' daughter, the child had just died. 
In the case of the widow's son at, Cain, at Nain, probably dead about 24 hours. And in this case, dead for four days. It didn't matter how long it took. Jesus, when he meets death, he brings life. Remember, he said to John in Revelation, Behold, I was dead and now I'm alive and I hold the keys of death and of the grave. But let me draw this point off it. Let me just, just draw this point off it. If you are a Christian, if you come to life through Jesus Christ, through believing the words of Jesus Christ, something will happen that happened to all of these guys. If you look at the first story, the son of the, widows, the widow at Nain, it says that he sat up and he immediately began to talk. If you have really traveled from death to life, you will talk about it. You will talk about what has happened in your life. You will tell others. It's a sign that someone has come from death to life that they will tell other people about Jesus Christ. And sometimes we have to pray for courage for that, but you will tell others. In this case of the second one, it says that Jesus said to the little girl, little girl, get up. And it says immediately she stood up. She stood up. She will be counted. She will stand as she stands up and she gets counted. And if somebody who's traveled from death to life and has become a Christian, they will stand up and be counted. They will stand up for their faith. Would anyone say amen? amen. See, it's challenging, isn't it? You will stand up and you say, no, actually, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God, our Father, and Christ, his Son. And in the third case, look at Lazarus. It says that Jesus showed it to Lazarus. Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus came out. Now, you might think we're a strange church, but I'm challenging you this morning to come out as a Christian. Come out as a Christian. So often people are celebrated for coming out in other ways. But I think we need to come out as Christians. In your workplace, in your home, on the bus, in your commute, wherever it is that you are, coming out of your grave, coming out of your tomb, coming out of it as a Christian, is what Christians do. And I love even the progression of it. Jesus speaks to the young man. He says in a loud voice to the young girl. And he shouts to Lazarus. And each of them, a different amount of time had passed and died. You kind of think in some ways, was he kind of shouting because they were longer dead? Was Lazarus kind of, was he trying to get through to Lazarus? Lazarus, can you not hear me? Come out! I don't know. But I know this, when Jesus starts shouting, we seriously need to pay attention. Just as Lazarus did. The people you live with, the people you work with, the people that you rub shoulders with day in and day out need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. No matter how nice your manager is, no matter how lovely your boss is, no matter how handsome your next door neighbor is, he still needs to hear about Jesus Christ. Would anyone say amen? You see, who was these people that Jesus was raising? Were they just some random people? I guarantee you, a lot of people died in Galilee at that time. And were these just random individuals that were raised to life? Were they just random people that Jesus kind of said, Ah, I think I'll raise this guy, or ah, I'll raise that guy. I submit to you that though it is not explicit in the scripture, it is very implicit that all of these people were believers. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. He knew the message of Jesus intimately. Jairus was the, or Jairus' daughter was the daughter, sorry, was the daughter of Jairus. Jairus was the synagogue ruler. He knew the faith of the Jews. We don't know about the widow's son that name, but I speculate that he was a genuine believer in God. And God raised him up from the dead. He raised him up from the dead. Imagine what it would be like if you were in your home or in your workplace and the people you rub shoulders with and you see them spiritually being raised up from 
the dead. Because we do have good news, lads. We really do have good news. Jesus, Jesus continued speaking in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. John's Gospel, chapter 5, and says, Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will experience eternal life. And those who have continued to do evil will rise to experience judgment. Don't stone me for it. It's what Jesus said. Don't blame me. I'm only the piano player. Don't shoot me. This is what Jesus said. And when you say those who've done good doesn't mean that our faith is based on good works. Our, our salvation is based on faith in Jesus' work alone. Would anyone say amen? But there will be evidence in our lives if we really have been translated from death into life. There will be evidence of that salvation, evidence of that faith reality in our lives if we have been transferred from death into life. But those who've continued to do evil, after they have heard the message of Jesus Christ, after they've heard the good news, they will rise to experience God's judgment. That's not good news. It's good news if you believe. That's why the book of Joel calls it the great and terrible day of the Lord. It's great for those who love him and honor him and know him. It is terrible for those who don't. Let me come towards a finish. Paul writes to the early Christians. He's writing to the Christians in 1 Corinthians. I looked at a couple of verses from it, but I wanted to look at this particular short piece. He's talking about the resurrection of the dead. Do you know that every living human being who lives now and has ever lived will one day be raised back to life. That's what the Bible teaches. And if you don't like that part of the Bible teaching, I challenge you that you need to look more closely at your scriptures. This is what the Bible teaches. Here's what Paul says. He says, our earthly bodies are planted into the ground when we die, but they are raised to live forever. And I love the next couple of phrases. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They're buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. They will be raised again. So whatever brokenness I experience in my body, when I'm raised, I will be raised in strength. I've been raised whole. Whatever weakness I know experience, I will be raised in strength. When, I, when this old carcass of mine, and no matter how many laps I do, or how many marathons I run, or how many push-ups I do, or no matter how much I watch my diet, that is the future for all of us. President McKinley, who was the third president of the United States of America, I thought this was a great quote. When he was dying, he was the third president, wasn't he? President McKinley, I'm going to ask the Americans here in the front row. Okay, yes, President McKinley, when he was dying, his devoted wife couldn't face the fact that he was dying. And she threw herself on his deathbed. And she said, I want to go too. I want to go too. And President McKinley's last words were that he looked at his wife and said, we're all going. Are we going to go in hope and expectation and in faith? Are we going to go in fear? Or are we going to go in hope and expectation? I'm going to choose hope and expectation if that's okay with you. Because this weak body, I want it raised in strength. See this falling apart old carcass? I want it raised perfect and whole. This is why... Paul continues to write in Romans. He writes this in Romans chapter 14, last verse of the day. For this reason, Christ died and rose again, that he might be Lord of both the dead 
and the living. He is Lord of both the dead and the living. You see, when they, even in Jewish culture, when they had expressed about who Jesus was and what he taught and what he said, and a lot of people would go, yeah, you know, that Jesus guy is really nice and he kind of says some really nice things and he talks about loving your neighbor and, you know, he kind of, he says some really, really good things, but he's also the Lord of the dead. He is the one who has the power over life and death. The power of life and death in the lives of the people that, yet again I say it, you rub shoulders with. Now maybe you're here this morning and you've got, look at, look at, the, look at the cases of the ones that Jesus rose from the dead. There is a, a son. There is a daughter. There is a brother. Maybe you've got a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister or a parent and you just want to see them risen from the dead. You want to see them rise from the dead spiritually. I think we should pray for those people this morning. Would anyone say amen? amen? I want to pray as well for those areas in our lives that are dead. Have you got a dead area in your life? I believe that the word of God will speak to your situation. I believe as we pray that God will speak into your situation. That as we incline our ears, maybe not in this meeting... But in this day or in this week, as you look at God's word, as you hear prophetic words given to you or delivered to you or sent to you by a brother or sister in Christ, that those dead areas will come to life in Jesus' name. I want to pray that this morning. Will we pray that this morning? Will we stand and pray? I invite the band up. We're going to sing the song. We're going to sing a piece from our, uh, I was going to say from our album. Would you believe it's going to sing from our album? We're going to sing a song. From somebody else's album, let's make a claim, and I'm glad I didn't say that. It's not being recorded, is it? But a song called The Creed, This I Believe. I want to sing that chorus that says, I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. We will rise again. And if we know that voice and that name that is Jesus Christ, if we know that life-giving power now, we will rise again. We're going to pray in a second. We're all on your mark, brother. Let's sing that chorus. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one I believe in the resurrection That we will rise again For I believe in the name of Jesus I believe in life eternal I believe in the virgin's birth I believe in the saints' communion And in your holy church I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Let's just close our eyes for a second. Let's close our eyes and give people around just some privacy. Just close your eyes for a moment. If you're here this morning and you hear these words of Jesus Christ and you have never come to know him personally, you've never invited him into your life, you haven't in the past said, Lord, I accept and I want your words of life to come to life in my life. I want to know your eternal life at work in me. And you haven't prayed this prayer before. Can I invite you, if you want to pray this morning and invite Jesus into your life, will you raise your hand? 
pray for those four people who've raised their hands. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I ask you that you would visit your salvation upon these four people, Lord. I pray that your reality would become part of their reality, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as they surrender their lives, they would go from spiritual death to spiritual life, Lord. I pray this morning they would know that eternal life being imparted into their souls, Lord. May they touch you. May they know you. May sins be forgiven in this place here this morning, Lord. May slates be wiped clean in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Move in. Take residence in hearts and in lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Do you know, I want to pray. I suppose a universal prayer I pray is that we would all be ones who bring the words of Jesus Christ. Do you want to be one who brings the words of Jesus Christ? Let's just pray that for a second just before we finish up. Can you raise your hands if you want to bring, be a person who wants to bring the words of Jesus Christ? Lord, no matter how much good we do, no matter how nice we are, Lord, unless we bring the words of life, unless we bring the words of life, there will be no life. Lord, I pray for every one of us that we would have both the courage and the opportunity to tell people about you, Lord. Lord, I pray for people this morning that they would have the courage to speak up, to stand up, and to come out as believers in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would touch us now with your Holy Spirit from heaven. Touch us now, Lord. Renew our strength, renew our vigor, renew our life, renew our determination to follow you no matter what the cost. In Jesus' name and God's people said, if you've got a brother, a sister, a mother, and you want to bring them to Jesus this morning, obviously you're not bringing them physically to Jesus, but you want to bring them to Jesus this morning in prayer. You want to bring a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister. You say, Lord, I pray that you would touch that person, even this very week that you would touch them. Will you raise your hand? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, for that person that we hold before you now. Lord, you know how our hearts are, how our hearts are broken very often for these people in our situations, Lord. I ask you, Father in heaven, that you would touch our sons and daughters, our brothers and our sisters, our fathers, mothers, uncles, aunts. Lord, I pray even this week that that person that we hold before you now would know your touch would be, as it were, arrested by your Holy Spirit this week. Would anyone say amen? I pray, Lord, though it may not even be evident to us, Lord, I pray that by degrees their salvation would be nearer by this day next week than it is today, Lord. I pray you would move in and begin to invade their lives, invade their dreams, their thought life. Send an angel into their lives, Lord, to speak to them, Lord, in whatever form we pray in Jesus' name. Lastly, I just want to pray as we close. That area that in your life that's dead. There's a dead area in your life. Say, Lord, I just want you to bring your life into that dead area in my life. Would you bring your life into that dead area this morning, Lord? I've hoped and I've prayed and I've expected and nothing has happened, Lord. I ask you to bring your life, just like you brought life into Jairus' house, to Lazarus' tomb, to to the town of Nain. Lord, bring your life into this area of my life, this dead area. If you've got one of those areas in your life, and I think most people do, would you raise your hand? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring life 
back to those dead areas in our lives, Lord. For those who are here this morning, Lord, who are praying for a partner in life, Lord, bring life, we pray in Jesus' name, God's people said. Lord, for those this morning who are knowing economic deprivation, Lord, who are struggling for a breakthrough in whatever area of their lives, Lord, where they know that they should have life, but it's just dead now, speak and bring your resurrection power in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We speak resurrection life and resurrection power to that area of our lives today and as we go into our week in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's close. One last time, can we raise our hands to heaven? I know it's a bit upsy-downsy, but it's okay. Let's raise them up to heaven. Let's raise our hands before God. Lord, into these hands we ask, you would place everything we need for the week to come. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In whatever area of our lives, Lord, we pray that you would place into our hands what we need, Lord. Lord, that as we go from here today, we would step over the threshold, not in fear, but in faith, Lord Jesus. Not an exhaustion, but an expectation that God can, will, and does move in our lives and change our situations. We commit ourselves into your hands. Go before us in Jesus' name and God's people finally said, Amen. Praise God. The guys are going to finish this up with the song. God bless and keep you. Tea and coffee is being served upstairs. Don't forget we're back here on Tuesday night and next Sunday morning. God go with you. Amen. I believe in God. Of